in five, four, three, two. Welcome to another episode of the Diego and Divorce Show brought to you by Anchor.fm with your host, Diego De La Rosa and Lord Ever Devore. We talk about all things wrestling, untold stories, current events, and what's to come. Step into that squared circle with us as we take you on a fun-filled ride. All right, here we go, Diego. Another fun-filled episode, man. Diego, how the hell are you, brother? I'm pretty. I'm feeling pretty spectacular, man. You know, I got a lot of energy today. We could talk about that later oh, down no, you the know show. What? I got a lot of energy too. You know what? Let's let's get into that straight away, man. We've got a new partner here at the Diego and Divorce Show, and let's you know, let's introduce the folks to it. I'm glad that you mentioned it right off the bat like that. So we're talking about one of our new favorite sponsors. And with that new sponsor, folks, I'll tell you what. Stand by because you can get 10% off Rogue Energy. RogueEnergy.com. I know that you have a lot of energy. I can see it. I should know the people can't see seeing but i'm seeing a smile on your face i've seen Absolutely. that before it's I've dangerous got that, i've got that little pep in my step man you know i went from drinking a pot to two pots of coffee a day and i'm pretty much just drinking this stuff now man and i'm digging it rogue energy that's where you want to be it's where you want to go man because unlike the other energy drinks out there like red bull man you drink that stuff you go to that peak and then you get that crash with rogue energy you don't get it what's your favorite flavor diego I'm like a fruit punch kind of guy, man. And I tell you what, for the folks that can't decide on what flavor they want, there's a variety pack, six pack, at a great price. You can go to rogueenergy.com and use the uh, 10% off code Diego and Divorce Show. Get 10% off as Diego and Divorce Show with a nice little squiggly letter when you hit shift and the number seven and Divorce Show. So, speaking of uh, energy, here's a man that, if I'm not mistaken, was the UPWA heavyweight champion for three years. And I think it takes a lot of energy to stay a champion. That's a long time. Oh, absolutely. Three years is uh, the champion of any company, whether it be the the big company or even an independent company. That's a lot of wear and tear on your body. And, you know, the one thing about this guy is, you know, we've known this cat for, oh, man, at least got to be 15 or 20 years now. Probably more. And uh, he was there, in fact, pretty close to when we first started. And... (laughs) We used to actually work for him when he was promoting shows, and then he became a wrestler, and the rest is history. Still active as of today, so don't, don't let our age fool you. Man, I can still kick some major ass, and that man is L.A. Tank. L.A. Tank, brother, how you doing? How you doing, brother? Hey, we're doing good now, man. You know, last time I saw you was about five years ago at a, at a barbecue, and uh, yeah, that's correct. Absolutely. Now, was that so a family we barbecue? At a, we was at a private function. It was a private. F- yeah, it was, yeah. It was a private function. Now, where was my so invite? One of my fellow old wrestlers that long retired. 
day. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> oh, see how you yeah. are? No, no real energy product for you, brother. See, the man you need to talk to will be one of our RC lovers. He'll be the man you need to talk to. Uh, well, but that's, hey, you that's know a what? story for another day. It, it was a good reunion and a good time was had by all. We got to reconnect with some of uh, our old brothers oh. in the business, good friends, and then I'm glad I got to see you. Unfortunately, I don't get to see you that often due to how far we live away from each other, but let's talk about your 24 years in wrestling. I mean, that's pretty damn good, Tell wow. you know when yeah. you first yeah were you when you first started training were you training with uh was it was it Cannonball Jones or La Playa how did that go because a lot of these folks they kind of oh my memory's a little shifty sometimes no originally my my trainer slash handler was Phil Jones aka uh he wore wore uh, total destruction he wore a hood he was actually oh, my no actual trainer. kidding. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I yeah. have nothing oh, but love three for him. Of him. Yeah, I just had the luxury that some guys did the train in the ba- uh, train in the ring. He made me train in his backyard on the ground. <laughs> it was a little rough. <laughs> you know, that's pretty cool. I... I like I said earlier, we've known you for 15, 20 years. I never knew that about you. I had no clue that Total Destruction was the one that trained you. I've got nothing respect for that guy. When I, when I was green as goose shit, he took me under his wing out on the road, and he got me to several other companies and got me bookings. Man, he was a, he was a stand-up guy. Yes, he was. You know, I think the funniest thing about him, the first time I took a bump, well, I didn't know too much about taking a bump, but once I did learn how to take a bump, um, he wanted me to take a bump in his living room, and I think he probably had a good six items of uh, items, and I looked at him, and I was like, uh, if I take a bump as big as I am, I'm going to destroy your glass, and they're like going to kill me. He looked at me, and he said, you don't take a bump, I'm going to kill you. So which one you want to take a choice? I looked how small his wife was, looked how big he was. I took the bump. Anything? Anything break? Um, actually, believe it or not, no. But one I did off the shelves, and his wife was feeling, and we got into it, and he told me, "Okay." He started laughing. He said, "Okay, now let's go out the back and take some more bumps." I just looked at him like, "This man lost his mind." That's all right. You had to do it the hard way. Now, when he was um, training you during that time, was also he he used to promote Campbell Jones uh, down in Caroline County. Mm-hmm. Is that where you got your first yep. match? Yeah. Yes, I did. My first match, um, and Devore's gonna laugh. And you're gonna ask what I called his name. My first match was at Caroline County High School. I guess Dave Resnick, I believe his name, a.k.a. he went on a uh, rocket. <laughs> for, for those that aren't in the know, Dave Resnick, he's a hell of a nice guy. But, man, let me tell you, it, it, it was it was an interesting day in the office when you had to get in there with Dave Resnick and work. Um, 
man, uh, you know, oh, yeah. hell of a nice guy, but I'm sorry that that was your first match. I'm not saying anything. It's not the truth. I love Dave to death. He's a good guy and I consider him a friend, but back in those days, man, that was a rough road to walk. You're going to have a rough Yes, it was. And actually, he was the first guy that ever gave me a power bomb. He broke that ice. Oh. Same here. Same here. I was first out. He was the first guy to give me a power bomb, and I wonder what the hell had happened <laughs> after I took it. <laughs> yeah, that was at, uh, down at Warsaw in the Hague Civic Center. Oh, my God. See, now I mean, you're going back in time, dude. The Hague Civic Center. No, that I was the Westmoreland Civic Center. Was the Westmoreland Civic Center? Yep, the Westmoreland Civic Center. I don't even think it exists anymore. Yeah, no, I think that last thing uh, I heard, they tore it down. Yeah, I know exactly what both of you talking about because I actually I went in that building myself one time. Really? Who did you oh, work there? Good times. Uh, I went on a, um, what is it, Rough Cut? That was... Uh, Chips, um, company. He ran it one time, and that was it. And I worked. Whoever, uh, worked another guy. I can't think of his name. Divorce. You gonna know what I'm talking about? Um, I call. I call him. He looked like the Black Snake. <laughs> I can't think of his oh, name. That guy. Man, you're guy talking about. I was lost that night. Uh, Skull Jones. That was his name. Skull Jimmy Jones. Jaguar? Yeah, I believe that was. He, he looked like the black version of State. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's right. no pun to sing it. Yeah, that was Jimmy Jaguar. Jaguar. Yeah. Funny story about and, Jimmy uh, Jaguar. He's a. I remember the night. And I think it was Jimmy Jaguar that DeVore wrestled that night. You gave him a uh, a spine buster, and I think that you couldn't remove your fingers fast enough. Did you break your fingers that night? Was that Jimmy Jaguar? That was Jimmy Jaguar. I gave him a spine buster, and uh, you know things being equal, things just happen in the ring sometimes. My hand was in the wrong spot, and when he came down, he came down on top of my hand, and I broke my index and my middle finger. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, actually, no, I was not there. I saw that on video. But uh, I see you do a lot of crazy stuff back in the Westmoreland Civic Center days. And, um, yeah, Jimmy Jaguar, there's definitely a blast from the past there. So fast forward your first few matches. And I remember, I don't know, it might have been like very late 90s, early 2000s. You were also promoting shows. Um, Fort Lee comes to mind. And... And that's the first time where Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got into it in '96, um, and I worked for DWA, which is under Cannonball Jones, and I worked for no, uh, we knew him as Chip. He ran um, Rough Cut, and I also worked for the three uh, for one company that all three of us mutually also knew, which was Mr. Woody under UCW. Absolutely, and. Um, I think it was 99, I started to 
I think I started to get a little, a little rambunctious about trying to go work for other companies. So I decided, I knew I had a marketing background in me and, um, I decided to give it a try with, you know, along with a help with a couple of other people, you know, kind of helped steer me business wise in the right way. And I opened up, um, hardcore pro wrestling. I was actually, uh, 51% owner of it. Um, and cannonball was the other 49% owner of it. And, uh, of course you guys know, cause y'all worked for me at the time, which I did what I had to do. And I think I based off of when I ran that company, and I think you guys understand, I had an issue with the way promoters was paying, paying the workers. And my main focus was trying to get money to make sure the workers was paid. Because, you know, you know, like I know, if a well-paid worker, you'll get anything out of them. Absolutely. With a reason. Now, going back to what you said just beforehand, you said you had a background in marketing. Let's extrapolate on that. What's your background in marketing? Um, it started out in high school with, uh, DECA program. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, DECA was a program that it was like a marketing program and I took it up in high school and, um, went through all four years of high school uh, on it. And, um, I wound up leaving once I left high school, I took another year of it in, uh, in a little community college. And I should have went back further to finish it, but I never did. But it kind of helped me understand the value of marketing things and dealing with radio stations at the time was the popular thing to deal with newspapers and how to basically, if you're going to market it or commercial thing, you know, you got to find out your highlight points, you know, the points of what you need to say, how much you don't need to say, how much you need to, budget your marketing to go out for if I was like advertising a show and I know I needed to get sponsors. It was your creative way of trying to figure out a way of how to get sponsors. And a lot of guys at that time went on word of mouth and I knew everything was about the number one thing to get a sponsor was presentation. If your presentation was thorough, majority of the time you got a sponsor. And a lot of people thought I was hooked up with a group and really was no, the only group that was there was my family. And the only outside person was Cannonball that was involved with that company. And our first show, just like any other show, we, we did so, so I said by our fourth show, we decided to make money. And then we decided to flip the money from show to show to show and Boom, Hardcore became a household name. And when I landed the Fort Lee contract, that was kind of like open season due to the point of I didn't have to deal with the state, which everybody do at this time. Everybody had an issue with dealing with the state. Um, and two, I had a more broader span of a crowd. So it was kind of a win-win situation for me running Hardcore. Right, and I remember. Uh, then I just took off. Go ahead. I'm sorry, no, because I remember that um, one of the, I don't know if it was the first show, or the second show, where actually Devore and I worked each other on that one, and we bit the dog piss out of each other. And I don't know whose idea it was, but out came the thumbtacks that night. Really, and, man, um, you gotta go there. You really gotta go there, man. I, for twenty fucking years, I've apologized for the thumbtacks. No, you know, 
Yeah, they, it sucked for me, but the, the worst part of it all is I just broke in my new pair of boots that day. And all my soul, all these little holes from the thumbtacks, I could give a shit whether they were on my back or my face, but the and boots that, that hurt what? the most. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're bitching about thumbtacks going in the bottom of your shoes. I had yeah. one go through my sack, and you're going to complain about here. your boots? This is a family show, but every time that that ring was put up and taken down, thumbtacks get falling from the aprons because Tank is telling me, man, every time I put this ring up and down, there's thumbtacks falling out. Okay, so here we go. Okay, 20, some years later, Tank, I'm sorry for all those thumbtacks. Hey, hey, look, guys, look at it this way. Kid is later down the road. My wife still cusses me out about it because my wife was my wife was the ring boss. <laughs> I remember that. You know, you know, as the she's up, you know, I'm at home right now. She's upstairs in my bedroom. I can go up there right now and mention it to her. Her old special change. She said, "I don't want to talk to you about it." And she will walk away. <laughs> she's still mad at me about it. <laughs> So I got a question out out of all the inceptions, See, out of all the companies that you've worked for, or you had a deal in, or you had a, uh, a stock in, uh, which was your favorite to work for, and why? Well, man, that's a good question. Um, wow, because you know all companies have the pros and cons to it. Um. I want to, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say. I think the one company I think out of all I really did enjoy was, uh, mm, interesting, other than the the dumb stuff behind the scenes, um, you're going to laugh when I say this, it would be Solid Gold Pro Wrestling. I thought really? you were going to talk about Dave Duncan. But go no, ahead. That, that wasn't Dave Duncan. What? That was uh, Pat Lawson. No, no, that was Jay Martin. Oh, I'm Kurt sorry, Jay Martin. Was Pat Lawson was just sort of the uh, announcer. Yep. Oh. Yep, that was Jay Martin. And the one reason why I enjoyed working there, I mean, of course, anybody that worked for Jay is not knocking Jay. Jay ran his, tried to run his company on what WCW and WWF at the time was doing. And it didn't work out, but the main thing I enjoyed about it was the overwhelming, um, I would say, talent he had. Because he really didn't have many young guys. He had nothing but straight older veterans. Majority of his, majority of his roster, I said 90% of his roster was veterans. And yeah. it gave you a chance to learn at the same time. It also gave you a chance to meet some of the names you see on TV, of course, and also compete against some of the names that had made names for this stuff, not only on TV, but you had some names that had made names for this stuff on the Indies. So it kind of gave me a chance to hype my skill up. And, of course, that was the one company where, uh, I don't know where she's at right now, Rusty the Fox. Yeah. Um, she was the first young lady to let me, first young lady to let me know on uh, my limitations on uh, <laughs> on dealing with female talent. Uh, I'll never forget. Uh, we was, she was 
the uh, Jay Martin, I don't know if you guys remember, he had a store and his school was set up in the mall that's now gone now off uh, Laburnum. I think it was, uh, I can't think of Laburnum. No, it was a mall there off of Laburnum Avenue in Richmond. Was that and, the South uh, Park Mall? Rusty was in there and I happened to walk. No, it was, uh, I can't think of the name, but the mall is still there and the place is a wall mall. It's a Walmart there now. Oh. Um, and I walked in to do a work to work out and Rusty was in the ring. And she told me, she said, hop on in. So I was like, okay, so what did I do? I hop in. She wanted to lock up. And I was like, no, man, I don't want to lock up. And she was like, why? And I was like, because you're a girl. I want to lock up. Which I might lock on to you hard. She looked at me. She said, okay, so I went ahead and felt food game for it. And I locked up with that girl. And next time, she threw me damn through the second rope. And I landed on the concrete. And she looked at me and she told me, yes, she was. She told me then. She was like, don't you ever disrespect a female. When a female asks you to lock up with her, um, she told me, she said, I've been on, which I think Rusty at the time had been with Glow, um, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which was on uh, televised. I think she was also with, uh, um, what was another one? I think maybe Wow, Women of Wrestling. I believe it was Power. Um, and she had worked against some of the old names. Power, that's what it was. And... You know, yeah, professional wrestling. And she was a good person that helped me redirect some things that she seemed I needed correct. And along with her, that's the first time I had done. I think that, that was the, probably the second or third time I actually got a chance to get more closer to some of the main old NWA stars like Ricky Morton. Um, um, some of the WWE stars. Bill Eadie was a good guy to learn from. Of course, Adam Kolar, God rest his soul, he was definitely a, a good man to talk to and learn from. But I would say Solid Gold Pro Wrestling would probably be the most interesting and funnest company because of the level of talent it was there. Now, of course, y'all both know, you know, you had your other set of promoters that had to cast the characters. Um... But I would say out of the most worst company to work for would probably be <laughs> uh, I'm ashamed to say it like this, but uh, you know, we'll be all star for wrestling because of the way it was managed. And I think you both will probably agree on that one. I mean, I remember this one show they had that um, in the middle of a cornfield or some I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're right. That was Boyd, North Carolina. I mean, I forgot how much he was on that show. <laughs> and uh, he now was that the nice show from... that I don't mean to interrupt Diego, but was that the show that it was so bad that literally in the middle of the match you pulled out a deck of cards and started playing spades or a solitaire? That would be the said. Yes. <laughs> yep. I wanna... yep, yeah. Yeah. That was. So yes, it was. Yeah, the issue was is Dave Duncan's a hell of a nice guy. His family's great, and down the road, <laughs> some, some pretty good shows, and there are some growing pains. But I tell you this: awful lot of ball handling. What? Yeah. If you <laughs> if you look at it like this, a lot of uh... <laughs> okay. I'll get through this. What? 
he had a habit to during matches to change the rules of the match while the match was happening and get yeah. on that microphone. It's like it's now two out of three and now this and now that I'm like, son of a bitch, man. I've been here for twenty one minutes already. I wanna go the fuck home. <laughs> but <laughs> that that was but him. God bless he loved him. it. And you know, he thought that that was cutting edge to to make it that much more entertaining for the people, but uh, it was very confusing. And for the talent, it was just, oh. But, you know. I yeah, just, actually, he was worse than, uh, and y'all both know what I'm saying. Excuse me for interrupt. He was the one guy, you know, Cannonball was the type of kid, you know, if he get a hold of that microphone, you probably have a ride in the belly. And he was the type of kid, you know, like similar to Cannonball, that when he got a hold of the microphone, you probably, instead of having a ride in the belly, the workers wanted to kill him. You better set aside 30 minutes of your life for the program. <laughs> exactly. Now, before we go any further, yeah. just indulge me for yeah. a second, if you will. I've got a great Cannonball Jones story. I loved Eric. He was <laughs> no, such so a good Lord, guy. No, Lord. But we were somewhere, uh, I think we were in uh, North Carolina. or No, actually, I think we were uh, closer to Florida, South Carolina, maybe. And it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. And Diego and oh. I were, we were in our beds, in, you know, in a drunken stupor. And I don't remember who it was, but one of us had the bright idea. Let's call Cannonball. And so we called him. It was like three or four o'clock in the morning. And God rest his soul. His wife answered the phone and she's like, hello. And I said, yeah, I want to speak to Cluck. And she's like, what? I said, you heard me. I want to speak to Cluck. And so she handed the phone to no, Cannonball, <laughs> and Cannonball's like, what the hell is going on? Who is this? I said, God damn it, put Cluck on. <laughs> and we kept this going for about 20 minutes before he finally recognized Diego and I's voice. And man, he cussed us up, down, left, and right, slammed the phone down, and I think we peed the bed laughing that night. I mean, so let me clarify, um... For those who don't know the story of Cluck, Cluck is a rubber chicken uh, cannonball used to bring to the ring early in his career. And uh, that's what the whole Cluck thing is. And I think he he caused a lot of marital problems there that night. Well, you know, it was a learning process. And, you know, with many things in life, it's a learning process. One of the things that you can learn to do, and it's really easy to do, is creating your own podcast. And the way you do that is you go to Anchor. Anchor gives you the platform that you've always wanted to work with. They're the easiest platform to build a podcast on. You simply go to anchor.fm, you click open the account, and as little as one, two, three, you're up and going with your podcast. They put you on several platforms, and once you get big enough, you can go to Apple Podcasts and, and so on and so forth. But it's as easy as one, two, three. They even line up sponsors to help you get your podcast going and up off the ground. So once again, you want to go to anchor.fm, open up that account, and you're on your way to becoming the podcast star you've always dreamt of being. Absolutely. They've been very good to us, the folks at Anchor, a couple of uh, D-minus guys like us. Get a podcast going, so can you. So, Tank, uh... Fast forward yeah. many years. Fast forwarding many years later, you start working with UPWA, which 
runs a lot of shows in the Carolinas. How long you been with them and feel about oh, wow. uh, a long time? Yeah, I've been with Don for 14 years. I have to tell you exactly. Um, this year, May 14. Um, the main reason why I wound up leaving Virginia at the time, uh, the Athletic Commission, if you guys remember, was starting to go through a, no, a whole different change in things. And it was unsure what was going on. So I had already been, you know, tapping in and out of the Carolinas. And, um, there's one guy, which we both, all of us know by the name of Mark Perez. He's never me. heard of him. This promoter from UPWA. So I reached out to him. Um, and um, I walked in the door that night. And uh, again, he had a, a, a cast of characters, but majority of them was talented. And I knew a lot of them. I think it is from now I think that was the birth of LA thinking that company. And it just seemed like I just went from that company and just stored off to different other companies but but that's one reason. I became his icon down there. I guess he loved the way I worked and um fourteen years later I'm still there. And me and Donna had our share of ups and downs and everything else, but um well, hell, I think I've held. I'm as much, and I'm like it's not nothing, not nothing. I'm gonna say this. I'm more or less like his almost Ric Flair down there. Because right. I'm a multi grand slam champion. I've held the tag titles four different occasions. The, his Carolina title twice, and his heavyweight title twice. And out of the three set of titles, I think the two longest runs was the two heavyweight title runs. I mean, that says a lot about your talent and how the promoter feels about you. Um, so tell, if you could tell us some of the talent that's down there, because I know our buddy, the Stro, he wrestled for him too for a while, didn't he? Yeah, Stro still wrestled for him. It's funny, man. Stro just came out of a feud as a uh, and me and Stro, we fought it out for three years almost. Up, I mean, from, I would say, from upstate New York down towards uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We okay. fought up the whole entire, yeah, I mean, up entire, the, the whole up east, east coast. Me and Stro, we fought it out. And that was just a three-year battle, and I think it was a thing because uh, I did not know until the time. Me and Stro is real good friends now, but uh, me and Stro happened to be the same age. And I think it was a thing of, of WCW icon versus UPWA icon in the other 80s. And... Um, I don't know, between him, he was my last major battle, but uh, I know with Don, I, I, I went through so many guys wrestling, so many guys, I mean, some kind of the guys from, you know, NA, WWE, former WCW, and ECW. Now, um, speaking of ECW, and, there's something that I've been, I, I've yes. been chomping at the bit to discuss with you. 
for the folks that don't know. You actually had an experience with ECW, and in particular, you had an experience with a particular personality from ECW. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking about. His name would be... Is it okay that we talk about this? Yeah, sure. I mean, I had no heat with New Jack, and uh, I haven't yet to see him. I've seen, I've ran cross of him. I mean, I have no heat with him at all, and I don't think he has that with me. I think New Jack is more of a type of guy that, uh, if you want to take out him, you know, one over, he walks away with it. You know what I'm saying? He don't, he don't hold on no grudges. He was more mature about it than I was at the time because I kind of held on a grudge with it, but I kind of learned to, you know, as you get older in the business, to leave it alone. You know, well, it's not worth it. distressing the, uh, it, you know. The scene was the late 90s, and ECW came to town, and you had a chance to go and right. uh, do some business with ECW, and you and New Jack um, seemed to butt heads a little bit. And it got a little tense there. I'll be honest with you. I mean, there was there was a lot of tension in the air, and everybody was kind of wondering what in the world was going to happen from that. So let's extrapolate on that. You know, if you don't mind, let's talk about that a little bit. What 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 happened there? What transpired? And you know, you said that he handled it a little mature than you did. Looking back on it, what would you have done differently? Not try not be juvenile about it and wanna still hold a grudge afterwards. And that's why I said it was more he was more mature about it than I was. I mean, um Diddy came on the Friday night tapings and um I literally had uh ran across Tommy Dreamer on a show in Fayetteville and I knew about the T V taping it was on Heaven Richmond at the Seagull Center. And uh, I showed up that night, whole nine yards, but due to, unfortunately, something went down between the ECW management and the Richmond City Fire Department about Pyro. So they kind of cut the, the trial short, and they told everybody, if you're still interested, to come down towards Boxburg, Salem uh, Civic Center Coliseum. Um, I got in that night, and I'm going to call a name that both of y'all should probably remember. I, don't think, I, I know he's not in the business no more. Uh, we got to doing the trials. And more to me, it was like a, a cardio agility test to make knock people out. You know, they had us running around the building, running up and down the rafters. And um, the one person I happened to get behind, I felt kind of, might have stirred the pot, and his name uh, was a uh, black guy. His name was uh, Big Sweet. If you all remember him or not, I do. Um, he's and, and Sweet was kind of out of gas because the rappers they were they were you know about no Sweet. Sweet was a per he was a very big, nice size black guy, but I mean he had a little belly on him, and that and that his cardio was the best, and after. Five minutes running up and down the rafters. He was out of gas. Now, and, now um, let, let's. I wanted to go back him. For the listeners, let's specify what you mean by the rafters. And by running the rafters, for those that don't know, is when oh. when you when you get a tryout match or you get the chance to work for one of the bigger organizations and companies. One of the things that they have you do is you actually run the stairs of the actual arena where the fans sit. You go up yes. one. 
run over, go down one, go over, run up one, go down one, and so on and so forth. And they actually make you run the entire arena, you know. And, and for those of those you've been there to those arenas, that's a lot of stairs. And I don't care how good a shape you're in. After about four or five of those staircases, man, you're starting to feel that. Mm-hmm. And um, what I did was I went past him. By this time, uh, New Jack had got there to the ring because uh, he had joined uh, Supernova, Chris uh, Jericho, uh, Just Incredible. And it was uh, actually, it was uh, not Tommy Dreamer, but uh, it was somebody else that was in the ring. Dreamer had got there. And. Um, he decided to single me out, and he was like, what are you doing? You can't pass him. I'm like, I'm going to pass him. You know, my goal is to do what I got to do. And he made a remark to me that I really didn't care for. And the remark was, you know, and I'm going to kind of keep it sensitive due to the sensitivity in today's world. He said, look at this end. I can't, you know, he said, look at this end trying to come in here and show his little black beat beat. And I kind of took that a little offensive being like one out of maybe six black guys and everybody else was white. You know what I'm saying? Like, why did this guy decide to single me out there and make that comment like he made? And um, I got in uh, and I started telling him, look, you know, I'm here to try to get a job here. I mean, it's not my fault that I ain't running out of gas. And I was in pretty decent shape then, but too, at that time, I was probably soaking wet, maybe 215. And I was pretty decent in shape, so, but like you said, the Raptors do wear you out, but I had learned how to pace myself. And I think that was my biggest thing. I learned how to pace myself. That's why I wasn't too blown, too much out of gas. And um, me and him got words, and he started trying to, I guess, intimidate me with who he was, and I let him know from the get-go, and I think me being an arrogant, smart Indian guy, I let him know, like, look, you are, you know, anybody can get in the ring and hit somebody with something. You get in the ring with me and want to have a match, I'm going to blow you up in two minutes. And he did not like that because it was an embarrassment back to him. No, he did not. So he came out the ring. I actually had to pull you apart from him, uh, down towards the entranceway and we actually had to go to the back parking lot and try to de-escalate the situation. Yes, it did because, I mean, he got in my face and started telling me about his four justified homicides he had tattooed on his wrist and where I come from, I come from the, uh, from the city of Petersburg, in Petersburg, Virginia, and I grew up in a rough neighborhood. So somebody telling me what he had on their wrist, and I looked at him like, okay, what, what part do I supposed to be scared of you? I don't care who you are and what you got on your, on your wrist. Where I come from, you don't talk about it, you be about it. And I was a former hood rat myself, you know. So, you know, and then, like you said, he got into it, it makes not look. Um, I had you and several other people separating from me and him, and I got walked out the building, and... um it was as good to the point where I was going to let him know I won't come, I won't come back down from it because he was the great new chat. He got in his boots like I did. And that's how I am as of the day. You know, I'm a lot more wise on how I make my decisions, but I'm still the same way with any guy. No guy in the world in this business is going to scare me because they get in their boots just like I do. 
beavers. Now, with that being said, at the beginning at the beginning of this, you said that you know, uh, looking back at it, he was more mature about it than you were. Um, looking back at it now, you have no heat with him. How would you have handled that differently? Mm-hmm. Looking back at it now, through the eyes of a veteran. As I as a veteran, I would have kind of, I would have actually blew him off. I would have, I would have ignored him. I would have let him. I wouldn't have let him get under my skin, even with the garage. And, and, and the most thing about it, and y'all gonna agree with me when I say this: every day, whether you're a babyface or a heel, you gonna have a, a fan say things to you that it's gonna be personal, or it might be almost to a point where you might have to pay attention to it. But we all struggle it off on a daily basis. And I basically let the number one thing, which is the basics of learning to be a wrestler, I let it slide past me because of the the remark I felt he made coming from another man of my color that shouldn't be made in front of (laughs) other wrestlers of other colors. And I think now if I had to redo it again, I would probably laugh it off and walk it off and pay him no attention and kept focus on what I was, what my goal was from the get go. Absolutely. That's, that's right. a great perspective to put in, in going forward from there. Um, you didn't let that, uh, you didn't let that incident, uh, dampen your, your drive. You went forward and you continued to do what you had no. to do to make your mark on the scene. Um, that being said, um, Tell us about who the toughest opponent you had to work in ring and who was the best to work in ring. Wow. Okay. Well, I say the toughest guy I've said I probably had to work in a ring will probably be Viper. <laughs> I would say Viper. Clyde Harris. Ah, you know what? I'd have to agree with that. I love Clyde to death, and, and I loved working him. He was one of the few guys out there that, you know, I, I had, uh, as well as Diego, we had a reputation out there of working a little too snug, shall we say. Uh, but that was the one thing I loved about working Viper, yeah. even working you, was that we could go out there, we could work our program, and we could work it the way we wanted to, and, and we didn't have to worry about, the culture that's out there today, you know, I could hit you with the clothesline and knock your molars out your kidneys and you didn't come back and look at me and go, yo man, what were you doing? You came back and said, Hey man, that was an awesome match. Yeah. And yeah. I know, and Viper is an iron man cause he's, he's still doing, but he can go 40, 45 minutes and keep going and going. I saw, I saw him one night wrestling barbarian. I think it was barbarian. That match had to be no less than 30 minutes. It might at least be 45 minutes of hard-hitting hey, hard hitting action. Yeah. Well. And, it's, and it's funny you say that because on my YouTube channel, the last time me and him stepped in the ring was in 2013. And the match was supposed to be a 15-minute match, and the match wound up going 29 minutes and some seconds, almost 30 minutes. A non-stop going at it. And you say you had, yeah. Man, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You said you mentioned you had a YouTube channel. What is? How do you? Uh, what's yeah. YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. My, 
Man, my my YouTube channel is um, LA Tank seventy three, um, and it has a good portion of matches. I'm still looking for a lot of my matches. And of course, now y'all guys gonna laugh because I'm gonna tell my age. Majority of my whole lot of my beginning year career matches was on VHS, so it's kind of a little hard trying to <laughs> divulge them to digital times now. We know what time it is. And speaking of time, have you ever looked down at your wrist in which you had a watch that was worthy of being a man's watch? And you can get that man's watch at Invicta stores. Invicta watches are the greatest watches on the planet. Diego, I know you probably got 13 or 14 of them. And I'm working on probably my 18th or 19th watch. And the way you get these watches is you go to www.ucwforever.com. Go to our partners page. And right there you'll see Invicta Watches banner. Click on that banner. And right now they're running a special. You get 30% off. That's an amazing deal for some of these watches. For those of you that know me, I'm a big fan of the Venom series. And you can't find a better watch on the market right now than Invicta watches. So once again, you want to go to www.ucwforever.com. Click on the partners page. Hit that banner for Invicta watches and get that watch you've always wanted. Right now, they're even running a Father's Day special. If you're a father out there and you want that watch, show that watch to your loved ones and your children. Let them get that watch through Invicta watches via www.ucwforever.com hit that partners page and click on that banner yeah I have a watch for every occasion for every type of person out there every style from Marvel to Star Wars to DC what's your so favorite speaking of time there you go My fa- you know I'm a big fan of the Speedway series and the Subakwa series although I probably butchered Day and Subakwa because I always do and uh, the Bolt Action. I uh, just recently got one. I'm looking to get that the Bolt Action Hercules here soon, but I gotta save my pennies. Yeah, so I like that. We're one. talking it's about an expensive watch, though. That's yeah, okay. I have expensive taste. I just don't have an expensive. Uh, well, no, I do have an expensive habit. But speaking of time, because we're almost out of time, so Tank, um, I know that we talked about your length of career. You're still very active. And I know with 2020, it's gone to shit, and maybe wrestling might return to Virginia or not. How's 2021 looking for you? Um, and outside of UPWA, um, where are we going? Well, so far, it's looking decent. Well, I had a couple other companies for this pandemic went down. I was going to start with. And I think the hardest part has been with me so far in the last later years. Um I'm very well active at EMAC, 46 years old, and I'll be 47 in August. I can still literally go out here and run a 25-minute match easily with an 18-year-old. I think the problem I'm having now with a lot of companies, uh, one, I'm an older guy. Two, my, my price tag is not as cheap like some of the promoters would like for it to be. It's not that I'm outrageous. It just, I'm decent. It just, the thing about it is, I, I don't think some of the promoters who D-Days and like older guys, 
Um, I, I, I'm assuming, I don't know, but you know, I'm having a lot of companies that's beginning to pick up a lot of older guys because they don't like the new generation because the new generation, they want to go in there and do 10,001 acrobats, but you don't, you don't tell a story. You just tell them you'll, you know, you know how to do acrobats and acrobats don't tell a story. Acrobats don't, in my opinion, maybe the way I was brought up in the business, they don't, they don't tell us nothing, but okay. You can do a bunch of flips and a bunch of moves. Anybody can do that. But if you can't, you know, tell a story and hold your craft with a style, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I guess that's what's going on with the new talent. Plus, with the new talent these days, they don't want to. It's all too much about them and social media. And I don't understand why. Same thing with the promoters. Because. You know, I can go out here, like I said, with majority of them right now, and I think that's why I'm still so active. Um, and I would love for a lot of these promotions right now to use me, but, you know, it's obvious it's their choice whether they want to use me or not. I mean, had a couple, you know, promoters, even with situations, um, with promotions I work for, I've had a lot of outside help to go, uh, the promoters have had a lot of outside help, and they come in and, might wanted to get rid of me, but the promoter's kind of like, no, leave that one alone because he's, he draws for me. And that's the one thing I can truly glad I still have. I have a fan base anywhere I can go, you know, and especially like UPWA, the length of time I've been with them, I don't even have to be in the building. If they heard my ring news pop on, they go ape. I mean, they just go, I mean, bonkers. And to have that type of response, and we might be in the building is, is very humbling. It is. That let me know that I have gotten over well with the with the fans. And to continue to have that, you know, at my age and my time in the business is like I say is very humbling and I is very respectable. Respected to me and I'm I'm very appreciative to have it. Awesome, you know, man. You know, with so, that being said, yeah. <clears throat> a lot of guys they've been in the industry as long as you and I have um, going forward you know is is green guys we hear it we don't understand it till we get older the veterans tell us about there comes a time in our career where that bump card gets punched how much more is left in the tank for LA tank do you got a couple more years are you looking <laughs> to stay in the business in ring wise are you looking to do something in agent side or producer side well, um, that's been the magic question for the last two years to me. And believe it or not, um, I had considered, and I've been considering maybe after, in 2020 kind of threw a wrench in my plan, so I might have to extend it. I wanted to go all the way up to the end of my 2050 year, and I was a um, walk away from Henry competition, not because of, you know, you got some guys out here that they need to take 10,001 pills or they got to warm up for an hour before they can get in the ring. I actually don't have to go through that. Thank the God with all the bricks, fractures, stitches, and everything else I took in the business. I'm still in good shape because of the way I carry myself in the gym. Um, but, um, it pushed in the show after a year 20, at the, at the end of year 26. Uh, which is two more years out, I probably will walk away from in-ring competition because of the fact of I want to walk away while having to be one of them guys that need to warm up for 20, uh, for an hour or 
have to take pills and all that stuff and knock on wood, I don't have to go through that, man. I'm glad I don't. But I'm probably gonna walk away from in rings, but that's when the that's when the business pick up better for me and whether it's for myself or another company and it's gonna have to be a company that I'm I'm in good I'm in good good out of eye good how can I put it? Me and the management see out of eye. I'm probably gonna go behind the scenes um and do whatever, whether it's producing or working with the new talent. Because one, I'm not gonna try to make no forty or sixty year career in this because once eventually my body is gonna make me pay for all what I've done to it. But, you know, I wanna walk away while I'm able to to enjoy some life. But at the same time, you know, I wanna go back behind the scenes and I think both of you guys know behind the scenes what type of guy I was, you know, for promoter wise or producer who whatever. I'm yeah, just so, looking for my out a little bit on it now. Yes, yeah, a whole different animal from that size. So with getting close to Showtime ending, so can you go ahead and um, promote some of your social media or some of your merchandise or sponsors before we, we take off? Yeah, brother, where can, where can the kids oh, out there discover L.A. Tank? Where can they get that L.A. Tank merchandise, whatever sponsors you have or whatever sites you want to plug? Now's the time to do it. Well, you know, that's another thing, too, fellas. I've been so successful, I never did it. But uh, I would say the majority of everybody can visit my Facebook page because I have a fan page, which is the L.A. Tank fan page. And I also have a athlete page on Facebook on the L.A. Tank. Um, of course, my YouTube channel, L.A. Tank 73. Um, and any one of the three, mainly the Facebook, you can get me. If you want to buy T-shirts or anything, you just contact me through Facebook. I'm working on getting a website. My wife is asking me about it. <laughs> but uh, I'm working on, um, you know, any, anything you want to find out about me, I'm not a hard man to find. I always have made that very clear to anybody. Even when I go to shows, and I think that's why fans is kind of enjoying me because whether I was a heel or a baby face, I didn't make myself, you know, hitting. So, you know. Hopefully anybody will come see me. Of course, any promoters out there that's listening to this, you gonna be. I think the old question is, well, the guys are wondering whether they get their money for for not with me. All then you got to do is let me walk in the door and let me get in the ring. You'll see what I can do real quick. Absolutely, I think we all know how that goes. And with that, <clears throat> sorry, we're about out of time and about out of voice here for some reason. Uh, Mister Devore, flex your golden pipes and take it home. Absolutely. First and foremost, we'd like to thank L.A. Tank for being a part of this show. Tank, we hope you enjoyed it, and we'd like to sit down later on when you've got more time and we've got more time and really just have some more fun. So with that being said. Definitely, man. Definitely, I enjoyed it, and I appreciate you guys. Thank you once again for coming to the Diego and DeVore Show. We hope you had a blast, and we'd like to thank our special guest today, L.A. Tank. Check us out on applepodcast.com, spotify.com, and as well as anchor.fm. We hope you enjoyed this, and we'd like to thank you once again for allowing us to come into your homes and giving you some laughter and some information. We'd like to thank our sponsors once again. That would be Anchor.fm, Invictus Watches. Uh, excuse me, Invictus Stores, 
Rogue.com, as well as our newest member, RogueEnergy.com. So have fun and stay safe out there, and thank you once again for being a part of the Diego and Divorce Show.